Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. Dr. Lewis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California. He also serves as the academic advisor for the Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He is also the author of Hidden Mountain, Secret Garden, A Theological Contemplation of Prayer. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. Chris, it's wonderful to be with you. It's a special blessing to be with you. You returned from the canonizations of John the Twenty-Third and, and John Paul II. What a great trip you must have had. It was quite wonderful in that the experience turned out to be one of such rich prayer. It was, yes, a celebration of the life of these two men, but you know, Anthony, it certainly seemed as though the pilgrimage that so many made was in direct response to a love they wished to share with others. Mm. And I think that at its core, isn't that the spiritual legacy of now St. John Paul II? And St. John the Twenty Third as well. I think you're right. A love kind of oozed from both men in different ways. And it might just be because of my own life and how I got the what I knew about both popes. But as a young child, John the Twenty Third died before I was born, but people were still talking about him and he was kind of like this everybody's Italian grandfather. Whereas uh, with John Paul the Second I've talked to more people who, who really relate to him as like the, they'll talk about him in terms of the father of their soul or the father of their vocation. So John the Twenty Third, the Italian grandfather, and John Paul II, the Polish father figure for the 20th century. It's, it's not so bad. No, not so bad at all. Especially when I look at St. John Paul, I was always so encouraged by him to go deeper into that relationship with Christ. And well, should I say, into the heart of the Trinity. He had a mysticism all his own, didn't he? He did. In fact, I wanted to share with you something from a retreat he gave for Paul VI before he was ordained Pope in 1976, so a couple years before Paul VI died. Paul VI invited John Paul II, at the time Cardinal Archbishop Carol Vortiwa, to come to Rome and to give a retreat. And that retreat has been recorded, put together in a book called A Sign of Contradiction. And uh, I, I would like to uh, read you a, a short paragraph from that retreat. Love, an uncreated gift, is part of the inner mystery of God and is the very nucleus of theology. In creation and in the covenant of love 
is made manifest not only as a motive, but also as a fact, as reality, as consequence of divine working. Precisely for this reason, the world that emerged from the hands of God the Creator is itself structured on a basis of love. To be something created is to be something endowed, above all with existence, and together with existence nature, which reflects different levels of being, differing degrees of perfection and good in the world, from inferior beings to more perfect ones. This is proved in a very special way in the case of man. In this, we are getting a vision of the whole world has centered around coming from love. Love is like the gravitational force that pulls and provides order for everything that is, but at the same time summons everything into existence. My eyes fell to this passage as I thought about John Paul II because the structure he gave to the universe and, and to theology, our understanding of the world and, and man, this structure is the same structure we see in the saint himself. John Paul the Great, John Paul the Pilgrim Pope, was a man who was motivated by love. And love is what helps us understand the uh, whole meaning of his life. I saw him personally in Rome in the early 90s when I was a student there. I remember seeing him walk through a crowd, and sometimes he looked so tired, and you could tell he was already looking a little bit old. And I was concerned for him, you know, oh, I hope we have him as Pope for a long time. <laughs> we need him strong. And then... Uh, and while he's going through a crowd, he'd meet a young person, and it was like life flowed back into him. You would see him smile, and all of a sudden, some clever little quip would come out of his mouth, and and the warmth and the paternity and the goodness would just kind of ooze out. I, in my own life, I had the opportunity of uh, meeting him once. Uh, my friends told me that, Anthony, if you say anything at all, he'll stop and talk to you. But most people don't say anything because they're so overwhelmed that this is the Pope, and so they don't know what to say. And so the Pope was going through the crowd, and I was right next to him, and I, he shook my hand. And sure enough, that's what happened to me. I was so overwhelmed that this was Pope John Paul II, I, I couldn't get anything out of my mouth. And then I realized, I remembered what my friend said, and, and I realized that if I didn't see, say anything, this was going to be my lost opportunity. So as he was turning away, I said, we love you, John Paul II. And he, and he stopped, and he turned around, and he looked right at me, and he said, you are an American. And I said, yes, Holy Father, and, and we love you. And he said, he said, God bless the USA. And he smiled and he put his hand on me and my wife Agnes and, uh, blessing us. And it was just a, a beautiful moment of warmth. Again, there were hundreds of people around, but making that personal connection for him, meeting you as a person, giving you his full attention, uh, this was something that made him flourish. He he enjoyed that encounter with another because in the encounter with another, there is love. 
and it is in love that he he found the Lord and revealed the Lord. Similarly, in the days before his death, he was uh, like to come out to his window and wave at the young people. At one point, I'm not sure I'm getting the words for this exactly right, but at one point he addressed the young people who were in the square kind of praying for him and for his health. They were, everybody was so concerned. And there were thousands and thousands of young people gathered in vigil for him. And he came out to the young people and he said, you know, for all these years I have come to you to bring you the light of Christ. And it has always been my joy to come to you. But now, my dear young people, you have come to me. And they, of course, they broke out applaud. He goes, thank you. Thank you. And that's another important quality. He not only enjoyed meeting people and having a real encounter with them, he not only enjoyed that moment of exchange where there were one heart was disclosed to another heart. But in doing that, you can only do that if you allow yourself to be vulnerable. All those trips he made all around the world to the young people for World Youth Day, for example, and all those trips he was making himself vulnerable. He enjoyed it, and he enjoyed meeting all the young people, but he's making himself vulnerable. Vulnerable enough that he could be touched when the young people of the world came to pray for him in St. Peter's Square in Rome. So love, love is for John Paul II to say that the world is structured around love, to say that uncreated love is the very nucleus of theology. For John Paul II, this structure has revealed in his very person is, is a structure that goes out to meet, a structure that enjoys, relishes a counter with another. And it's also a structure that is vulnerable. When we look to Christ Jesus, we see how vulnerable God has made himself, vulnerable enough to be crucified. John Paul II participated in that difficult mystery of suffering when he made himself vulnerable as Pope uh, to those he tried to shepherd. And because he was able to do that, because he lived in the structure of love, in the structure of encounter, in the structure of vulnerability, he could be a sign of hope. If uh, someone was to say, we started out our reflection today about this fatherhood that oozed from John Paul II. If someone was to say, what does that fatherhood look like? What is fatherhood? How was he a father? Well, to be a father, this is to be a sign of hope. Fathers, their most important role in a family, in a community, in a parish, whether they're spiritual fathers or natural fathers, their most important role is to be present. Hope burns like a, the flame of a candle. Those who gaze on it, they find a reason to persevere in the promises they've made and the commitments they have in life, commitments of love. And a good father, just by being there, strengthens his sons and daughters so they can be faithful to those commitments because they have a living hope and this was John Paul II. He kind of gave us an example. We live our lives according to the structure of love, structure that goes out uh, to encounter, a structure that is, that is vulnerable, that remains, that perseveres, even, even when it requires great suffering. We too can be signs of hope. 
And that's why I'm so glad he was raised, raised up uh, by the church and recognized as, as a saint. He's provided us a rule, a standard for holiness that we need for our times. We'll return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, 
the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. It really exemplifies the point, doesn't it, Anthony, that our prayer needs to be faith-filled. And, and what I mean by that, that very definition of faith, is, it's, it's defined in the catechism, but I think even more so in the human heart, and exemplified, once again, by that relationship of revelation where God reveals himself to us and then we respond. God is love. Here is John Paul who reveals himself, makes himself own, it loves, and the response back from everyone was love in return. By its very nature, love isn't love if it's not shared. Mm. And if it's, I mean, to just talk about it is one thing, but if you've never held and, and cared and express love in a real way, isn't that what prayer ultimately is about? Yeah, this is a beautiful thing about the mysticism of John Paul II. You know, how was he able to manifest that structure of love to the world, except that he made himself vulnerable to that love every day by prayer? You know, people have heard the stories about him uh, spending long hours in prayer at the beginning of every day, before Mass and after Mass, a silent prayer. Those who had the privilege of being in the chapel with him would, would hear him groan from the depths of his being as he poured out his heart to love, but also as he received love. Uh, love was present to him. And uh, so for him to say something like, you know, love is the very nucleus of theology and the very center of the cosmos from what everything that is comes from it, for him to say that, he's not just saying that as an idea He's saying it as a lived experience that he opened himself to, that he availed himself to every day in prayer. And this is another great example that, you know, to persevere in our love, it's not enough to make a moral resolution that I'm going to try to be more loving and more vulnerable to people and that I'm going to try to go outside myself and engage people more and find Christ in them. I mean, those are wonderful moral resolutions to make, but at the end of the day, Moral resolutions aren't sufficient for the Christian life. Only Jesus can give us the strength we need to be faithful to the calling uh, that he's given us. And he can only give us the gifts we need if we make space for him in our lives. We devote some time in our lives to, as you say, faithfulness, uh, to being faithful to his love, to being open to his love. And that's what prayer at the end of the day is. Prayer is a humble obedience of heart that uh, surrenders itself to the love of God made present to us by Christ Jesus. And we know that presence by faith. And so that when we believe in that presence during our prayer, that loving presence totally transforms us. How important is that communion of saints, especially in the light of John Paul's expression of prayer and faith. 
I was thinking the communion of saints is the first meaning of that is the exchange of holy things among the holy ones. And so in the heavens and on earth and between the heavens and the earth, there's an exchange of holy things, holy goods. The saints in heaven pray for us and we get showered down with all kinds of gifts. And we, as we learn to look upon them and appreciate the gifts that they are, that God has raised them up to be for us, we open ourselves to more of those blessings. And that's to open us up to the communion of saints. That's one of the reasons why John Paul II and his pontificate canonized and beatified more saints and blesseds in his pontificate than have been blessed in the whole history of the church leading up to his pontificate. You know, I, I think the number of saints and blesseds are in the thousands that he recognized and wanted to draw our attention to because we need their example but and we also need their prayers. I think in John Paul II, come back to your question, John Paul II is a special part of that communion of saints for us in our time because in a very special way, many of us remember who he is, either met him or heard his talks or where somehow our lives were touched by him. And so he's concrete and real for us. And there's a way in which some people want saints to be, to be something totally otherworldly and totally so far above normal behavior that no one human could ever become a saint. Saints are all superhumans. Well, uh, that's simply not the case with John Paul II. We remember him as flesh and blood. We remember him even as helpless in his final days. And that's the form of holiness that we aspire to. It's a holiness uh, that surrendered to God's love. He was a living sign of it in our own lifetimes. And from heaven, he continues to be a sign for us now in an even more perfect way. But we need that sign for our times. It's In particular, it's a sign about having confidence in God, having hope. So many Christians I know uh, struggle with hope, struggle to be confident. They're so kind of overwhelmed or demoralized by our culture and by their family situations and by all kinds of other brokenness. There's always reasons to be demoralized and to want to give up and to be discouraged. But somebody like John Paul II, we look over at his example and we realize as many reasons there are to be demoralized, there's even more reasons to have confidence in the work that God is doing in us and what they God can bring to completion the good good work that he's begun. And when we cooperate with it, when we have confidence in that, when we believe in it, it really does make a difference in the world. People's lives really are touched. Miracles really can and do happen. And the greatest of those miracles being the conversion of those we love. John Paul II gives us hope in the face of all those things that can be so discouraging he, he reminds us that God's love is greater. Pope Benedict XVI, he said at the funeral mass for John Paul II, he said that in John Paul II was kind of a sign for us that the mystery of evil, the mystery of human misery has a limit. And that limit is the limitlessness of God's mercy. And John Paul II now from heaven is an important advocate for us 
uh, of that divine mercy uh, so that uh, the more we see evil, the more cause we have to believe in the greatness of God's love and his power to overcome evil. What do you suppose it was like? This is going to seem like maybe even a silly question, Anthony. But what do you suppose it was like for him to see and to experience that communion of saints, and in particular that that exchange of love with a, a little a little French nun from Dijon? Huh. Well, we can only imagine, you know, uh, and whatever we imagine, that encounter with the Lord and with all his angels and saints was so much more and will be the same for us so much more if we persevere in the good work God has begun in us. His last words were that, among his last words uh, before his death, he spoke about wanting to go home to the house of the Father. Whoever he met, has he arrived in the Father's house? Has he arrived in his heavenly homeland? The, uh, the true country where we belong. For here we are only pilgrims. When the pilgrim Pope finally came home, all those angels and saints, including Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity and, and other saints like Therese of Lisieux and Charles de Foucault and uh, Brother Adam, Mother Teresa, uh, Padre Pio, saints whom he knew, whom he met, that homecoming that awaits us, that he, he is now tasted. There is a joy in it and a fullness in it where your heart can finally rest and the joy that you'd always hoped for, you discover, is completely surpassed. It's the joy of being, being in the bosom of the Father, being held by the Father. It's the joy of having Jesus look you in the eyes and tell you, well done, faithful servant. He knows that joy now, and he longs for us to share it with him. He longs to greet us when we come into our heavenly homeland. And so he prays for us, prays for us that we might know that joy too. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you, and thanks for this opportunity. And thank you, John Paul II and St. John the Twenty-Third. We're counting on your prayers. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or download the free Discerning Hearts app located at the iTunes and Google Play app stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis.